Hello, everyone. Dr. Jim Hoven here, welcoming you back to another episode of Ramos Law's Difference Makers podcast, where I have the chance to connect with people that are in our circle or people that we meet who are making a difference in the lives of others, whether that be at a local level or beyond. And today is one of my very, very favoriteest, most wonderfulest people in the entire world, Miss Jessica Lara. She's here to join me because we're going to talk about health today. We're going to talk about specifically how hormones work with someone's body to help them experience a level of health that they might not have had for a long time. Right, Jessica? That's right. Thank you for having me. I'm Absolutely. excited to talk about this. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, we've been talking about doing this for a long time. And in full transparency, Jessica and I do work together at FitMD. So uh, Dr. Ramos has the FitMD clinic and Jessica is our uh, amazing PA over there, does so much of the clinical care and take care of stuff. And you know, um, she, Jessica, you've educated me so much on this medicine and I'm such a believer in to be part of that business with you and talking about these kinds of issues to me, it's absolutely critical. And right now is as good a time as I think it, there could ever be to talk about this because there's been so much stress and angst and all this in the world. And of course, if people are overeating, they're, they're unhealthy. If they're overstressed, they're unhealthy. If they're not sleeping well, they're unhealthy. And what we are talking about today with hormone replacement therapy and wherever else this conversation goes, that has a big impact on what we can do to stem the tide, right? It's huge. Um, with everything that's been going on, like you said, all like the stress, the activity level, the diet, everything has changed for a lot of people. Um, and so I think what we do is just a really great support. Like, you know, everyone wants to do what's best for themselves. And, and we also want to get the most out of that. And I think that's a, a big piece of what we're doing. Absolutely. And when people talk about or hear the word hormone or the phrase hormone replacement therapy, I think there's probably a couple connotations that they can take. There's one of a kind of a synthetic um, hormone that is, I mean, every hormone is kind of made up, but there's some is more biologically normal, if you will, than others, right? There's all hormones, basically all hormones are not the same. That's right. I think um, probably the most common thought process when we when we talk about hormones, it well, it may be in terms of athletic performance or like bodybuilding type of things. We get everybody coming in as like, I'm not trying to do this, you know, and, and some people are trying to do that. Um, but that's, I think, steroids and, and misuse of anabolic steroids and things. That's one thing that people think about when we talk about hormones. And then the other might be um, kind of more along the lines of what we are doing, which is, um, you know, bioidentical bio or hormones that are naturally in the body and that we need. Um, but there's just a lot of controversy that's been around them in the past and that has affected the way people think about it and, and the stereotypes associated with it and what it means. And, and there's just a lot to it. So it's, it's usually those two different pathways. Are we talking about bodybuilding athletics or are we talking about you know, these hormones that cause cancer and, and these scary things that I've heard. Yeah. And we're definitely going to dive into those today. I think both those are really critical pathways to discuss, but before we do, I'd love for you to share your story about why you as a, as a trained PA in all kinds of areas, like you have a wide skill set as far as your medical knowledge and how the body works. How did you get introduced or fall in love with this discipline of hormone replacement therapy? Such a good question. Um, I feel like with a lot of things, things are sometimes meant to be, um, basically because when I came out of uh, PA school here in Denver, I went to CU and I immediately began working in family medicine and, and kind of general practice throughout the age span. 
And then I also um, worked in a position specifically to help people with weight management. And I had to begin learning about the hormone management side of things. It's really not something you find within conventional medicine. So none of the rotations and the training really prepared me for that approach, that sort of proactive uh, hormone optimization aspect of that position. And so right outside of school, I began my journey into looking at medicine a little differently. So staying conventional and, um, you know, kind of mainstream, but also starting to think differently right away. Like, are we approaching health in the best way or or is there more we can be doing Um, and so again I I started these two different positions and began learning right away that kind of the hormone optimization stuff you have to go to separate trainings and find conferences and find people who specialize in that and so that's what I started doing right away I just thought how can I help more yeah you dug in and so going from a weight management you you span kind of the continuum of people with diabetes and, you know, sickness, colds and flu, da, 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 family care. And then you start moving, you start seeing your pathway becoming clearer with health. So whether it's through weight management or, or hormone balancing, when you started seeing the power of the hormones in the body, not that you and I, you know, in in my training as a chiropractor, I studied that physiology and and I'm sure you did the same, but when Mm -hmm. you started seeing it at the micro level of the individual walking in front of you, did it just open your eyes like a cover was lit, a curtain was lifted or something when you just saw those first handful of patients that really drove you or what was the inspiration to now dive all in? Well, was, I kind of always refer to this situation where a woman came into the family practice and, you know, had mentioned just offhand in her annual physical that she was on bioidentical hormones. And I just remember, I don't know why, but I just remember kind of dismissing it, not not as it was unimportant. I just was like, I don't even know necessarily what that means. And we're in, you know, we're doing all these other things today. And I kind of just set it aside. And then it actually was a big part of what I began doing. And so that really drove me to number one, because I don't like not knowing <laughs> things. <laughs> and I was like, what on earth? But um, more importantly, I just, I just saw patients and I was just thinking like, we're helping and we're doing these things, but is there a way we can not prevent them coming in, but just get ahead of these things that we see every day curve. and have to deal with, deal with, and be a little more proactive? So that just really inspired me. And and again, it's a different way of thinking. I, I started recently reading more about just medicine as like in a historical perspective, which surprised me that I had not really thought about it like that before. I really grew up in a medical family and so I was just in it. And then I, I realized there's all these great books that explain like how we came to be where we are. And I find that really interesting um, in terms of medicine. It really helps me understand why we are where we are and how we can go maybe a different direction with it. So that just inspires me. It's just a different way of thinking. And, and so I guess it was a gradual onset of, of like, I had not thought about it in the, the right perspective before. I, that Does totally that make makes sense? sense. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then once you start reframing, like all of us, your worldview changes, your paradigm changes as your experience changes. Mm-hmm. So you start learning about hormones, and now you become 
qualified through all this extra training that you do, you now you you know it. And I mean, you and I have had enough conversation on this. You are an expert. There's no doubt about it. Our patients know it. You know it. Our team knows it. I know it. So what is it about testosterone specific, since that's one of the main fundamental molecules that we use that changes people's lives, both men and women, because we treat men and women what is it about testosterone that affects the body so much? Or how does the body need testosterone? Maybe is a better way to ask that for men and women. So I guess you have to start by thinking of hormones as what they are, which is messengers. So they are carrying mess messages throughout our body. Um, and our, I always call the brain our thermostat just because it makes so much sense. It's really up there kind of monitoring and controlling everything that we're doing. That's where everything is kind of organized. And so we send out these messengers um, and it's hard not to get, you know, I, my major was cell and molecular biology. So I always like zoom down into the cell level. Um, but without going too much into that, these messengers are sort of just like managers around the body, the different tissues and the different cells within those tissues, they all need different signaling. And so testosterone is one of those messengers that's, that's going to each of our tissues and and telling it to do its job. We and we all, need a certain amount of it, right? Like you have to right. have a base level of testosterone. And At it different times in, different, in our lives. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's it just, it's so interesting if you learn embryology, the way the fetus develops and when we start getting this hormone signaling, it's, it's fascinating. So um, it just makes sense that we need those things. And again, when you think of the way we we're thinking about things, which is like, oh, eventually, you know, you stop producing these messengers. Like, do we want that? <laughs> it doesn't sound like a good plan to yeah. just kind of let them drift off into nothingness. Maybe we don't need as much as, uh, you know, a young kid or a, a, whatever the case may be. Does a female need as much as a, you know, pubert or male? Probably not. But um, I don't think just letting things dwindle off into the sunset is helps people to feel well throughout their entire life. So let, let me ask you this from a, maybe a theoretical perspective or, or maybe not because of our lifestyles, because of the way that we eat naturally, the standard American diet anyway, also known as sad, right? Standard American diet and the high stress levels, the lack of rest, the lack of exercise, does all that accelerate a decrease in the production of the messengers along with time or is time the time bandit alone, the stealer of the messenger, in this case, what we're talking about now, testosterone. Like, like most things, there really is a balance. And for sure, our genetics um, and time and all of that has a, has a key role. But then we know, I mean, there's so much in our environment. And that's kind of the next sort of big new wave of what people are looking into are things in the environment that are acting like hormones and what that's doing to our bodies and how it's disrupting our production or our signaling. Can you give some of those things? Give some examples of what, like, is it, is it the lights in rooms or screens or what are some of those things that could disrupt our natural hormone production? Mm -hmm. Many things, too many. It's, it's sad to think about, but um, many things. So plastics, th can, things that are items are contained in that we're touching or that we're ingesting in some way um, in the foods, our preservatives, radiation in our environments. We have so much you know, technology is booming, obviously, and there's just things everywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, people worry about cell phone towers, all kinds of things. So yeah. to, to me, that's very overwhelming to think about. So I can imagine 
um, for a lot of people it is, but as we kind of delve into that and, and sort things out one by one, I think we'll find, you know, things that are causing problems and maybe ways to address that. But I really don't think that hormone supplementation will probably ever be, um, not needed, well, you I know, guess. That's so funny that you say that. That's literally where I was kind of thinking and going with the question, question Jess, is as a, as a chiropractor, my thing is, should everybody have to get adjusted? No, but based on all those same lifestyle factors that we just talked about, what I found, and even as I continue to look at spines today, most people can't overcome the stresses, what some might call the load or allostasis or whatever term mm -hmm. you want to put to it, they can't overcome the inertia of the lifestyle that they're within. And so they need some sort of, a, the word you mentioned was supplementation in the chiropractic world, it would be some sort of outside injection of motion mm -hmm. or stretching or flexibility or something in order to offset the stresses coming in. So what I, I think I hear you say is that in the hormone replacement world, that because of all these external factors and father time, the biological factors, that there's a place for everyone to consider if they're not performing right, if their blood work doesn't work right, if whatever, if they're outside of the normal zone, they should be evaluated for testosterone or some sort of hormone hormonal replacement therapy. Is that accurate? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I'm glad you hit on that because <sighs> In an ideal world, I get this question for a lot from patients, like even when we do see their labs and they're like, what could I do? How can I naturally, whatever, am I stuck with this forever? What can I do to optimize this on my own? Um, and in an ideal world, we could do that for everyone and, and there'd be all these fixes and sure enough, you can find them on social media and online. You can find resources, but um, especially with, sorry, I'm gonna get off track, but with weight loss, this is a big issue. It's like, well, you should just be doing these things. You should just be eating a clean diet and exercising every day and not doing this and not doing this. You, well, we should, but let's also be a little bit practical. So not to be like a downer or negative, and I'm certainly not, I'm very optimistic, but I also recognize like in reality, nobody's perfect with those things. And yeah, even practical. people, right. When yeah. people are doing a really great job, they're still fighting against like genetics and things like that. So it's just not reasonable to think or just uh, basic, I'm losing the word, require, yeah. I guess expect, that's what it is, expect of everyone that we're just gonna implement all these perfect things and pretend like there's still not things outside of our control that are even causing problems. Right. So, so there's a balance. So what do you, so that people who have never been exposed to this material before in our audience so that they might have a better understanding. If someone is deficient, let's just talk about the major hormones that we deal with at FitMD. And testosterone, you're right. Testosterone. Probably the biggest one. Mm -hmm. What would a man or woman expect to feel if their numbers, their testosterone levels, those numbers start dropping? Mm -hmm. So there is a wide range of kind of spectrum of how people come in and present, but there's a pretty typical list of things that people are noticing. So low energy is number one. They're just kind of fatigued. They don't feel like they are where they used to be. Now, we like to justify all of these before I go on. We like to say, oh, you know, I am getting older or I work a lot and on and on. Okay, but you're really tired and it affects your day and you're not performing optimally. So that's a big one. Energy levels, um, moods. I find in, in male patients, it's more often almost like an irritability or kind of edgy 
just kind of um, agitation. Yeah, agitated a little bit. And women sometimes it's a lower mood, more depressed moods, um, but some sort of a mood impact often. Um, low libido is a huge one for men and women. I think for women it's been really, really overlooked. But in men, it's a very sensitive topic. So I think for both, it's it's a, a pretty big issue. Um, libido is sex drive or interest versus sexual performance, um, where you know men are maybe struggling to perform, and those are sort of two different processes. So I usually separate that out. Not everyone has both. Like someone may have a low drive, but when they perform, it's fine. Um, and same thing in women. So. What else? Body composition is a huge one. So I'm starting to put on fat more around my midsection. I'm doing all these things in the gym and eating, but I still can't get rid, like right around the belly um, of this extra little fat I've got going on, or I find it really hard to build and maintain muscle mass. Not a vanity thing. So muscle is basically an endocrine organ. It's a hormone sensitive um, tissue in our bodies. And it's really, really important that we prevent people from becoming frail later in life bone density going down they're having fractures and and dying from those things um, it's not unimportant to have good muscle mass and an optimal body composition and those are some of the bigger ones and what what about um for women with estrogen is does estrogen get out of whack for women like testosterone does for men and women yes so in men I, the way we kind of describe it is for men it's a more we're finding it's a more gradual process. So even starting late 20s, early 30s, which sounds really early, but that's just what we're finding. Um, people would probably be shocked to see the age of men who come in with really low levels. Um, so for men, it's this gradual process through time. For women, there's typically this period of time, can even be like 10 to 15 years prior to like, I'm done having menstrual cycles every month and we call that the perimenopausal transition. So there, testosterone is often low right away. So, I mean, you're 10, 15 years out from menopause, you're really not thinking about that situation for yourself, and already you're deficient in testosterone, which I think is, is a big um, cause of that, you know, women in their 40s being like, oh, what's going on with my body? Like, suddenly, what used to work doesn't work. Um, and then, but estrogen comes last is where I'm getting at. Progesterone is another important sex hormone in women that actually usually starts to decline um, earlier in time. So estrogen kind of hangs around. It's like almost the last to totally go. But there's usually this transition period where we're deficient in all three of those things in women. And so with, I would imagine then with women, it's important to get the message out like, hey, don't wait till you fall off the cliff with the the last the last soldier standing estrogen ends up dying off or running away you fall off this cliff so helping them know to it should women look for signs of how they feel at a certain point or is it just part of a routine blood work that that women and or men should be looking to step in here at the appropriate time because i'll tell you a little bit about i mean you know my story because you've been part of it but for those listening I'm definitely on the program and I have been for going on three years. And <clears throat> the way that I would describe my journey is if I were to put people into a couple of categories that I've seen now that have come through our clinic is that we have people that feel like crap. I mean, like you said, can't sleep, putting on weight, low libido, um, just no energy, right? I wasn't that guy. 
I felt really good, but I noticed that my workouts, I was just working out either just a little bit less hard, but pretty much the same, but I wasn't holding the same, quite the same muscle mass. Um, but I was having difficulty sleeping, but still performing at a high level, like everything mm -hmm. was good. And then after seeing the results of my labs, I said, well, let me just try this to see what it does. And so I wasn't the guy that felt like crap. I was the guy that was pretty good. And as I realized I had, I still had a lot of ceiling potential left. And so once I got on it, I noticed that I could sleep better, but not need as much sleep and still function really good. I got way better results per hour in the gym or my training leaner with better quality muscle mass than I had before. And my focus was really good. Again, even if my sleep got goofed up for whatever reason, and I've found that for me, it's been an ongoing thing since I've been on the program three years, you know, it, I found it to be that story. So I think from what we're seeing, I, I don't know if you agree with that, but those are the two typical categories I've seen. People feel like crap or people want to stay kind of on the edge. Is that accurate from what you see? Or is there any other group that we really, really focus on? I would say that's pretty accurate. Um, I try, I, I really like the ceiling, the way you put that. It's a lot of times I explain to people, um, you know, it's not like we're looking for problems, but you don't know what you don't know. And so I think it's natural for people to hope that they, they feel okay, they're functioning kind of like you are. And you hope that that's the way you're gonna be in 10 years and in 20 years and in 30 years. But I think if you look around, you realize that like those type of people, are the ones that you're accumulating these effects and and likely they're there you just don't recognize them they're fairly mild then at some point they will be catching up with you mm. so that's i think what's typically going on there it's, it's natural to hope like i feel pretty good i think i'll keep feeling it maybe i'll just feel but you were we looked at levels we look at blood levels and we can see they're not optimal they're not where they used to be what are the effects of that for 10 20 years and then where do you end up down the road. So I, I do think people wait. Um, they're starting not to because it's becoming more available. I think yeah. people are waiting a while and they're really hoping. And I explain to people, hey, you always have the choice. Like my philosophy as a provider is to empower people. I want them to have the information and I want them to be in charge of their of their decisions and what they end up doing. So you never, you don't have to do anything. I may recommend hormones for you and, and you can decline, but I want you to have that information. And then also now you have labs you can refer to down the road. You can be like, Hmm, I am still kind of tired and I don't sleep very good. And let me, maybe let's do some labs again. And then we see like, it's still not great. And, and maybe we should go that route. But at the end of the day, you don't have to, I think the information is important regardless. So I think what you're, you're getting at is people do sit in that place where they're like, I'm working, you know, I'm not miserable. I feel okay. I just feel like I'm getting older. Well, you may be the perfect person to really take care of things in advance and prevent this accumulation over time. That's really going to catch up with you and, and you're not going to feel so great well, down the road. I agree. And I think you said something that sparked a thought in my mind about blood work. Um, for us, we do a mixture of a few things like our, our approach when it comes to hormones from what you've shared with me is four pronged basically, right? We got the consultation, like what's going on. And then you're telling us your symptoms and your problems and that kind of thing. And then we, once we know what those are, now we want to know your goals. And so once we find the 
the issues. Now, what are the goals for that individual person? Because you said at the very beginning of the show, do people want to go down the athletic side and they want to be super strong and powerful and this and that, or do they just want to function better and what we call live optimized, right? That's our, that's our deal is helping people live optimized. Is it somewhere in the middle? But when we know those two things, then we put together the technologies. That's when we bring in the in-body for the biometrics and we bring in the, the lab work with an exam. You put that soup group together, now you come up with this plan. And the plan can vary from person to person. So I'm interested as you're creating the plan on the blood work side, I've heard commercials and I've not been in any of these places, but it's like, hey, come in and you know do a blood work panel for $90 or whatever. And if you do this, then it's free and blah, blah, blah. So not all blood work is created equal as far as telling the story on what kind of what kind of plan you really need and what the big picture is. Can you explain what, if someone's looking for this, what kind of blood panel should they be looking for? Not piece by piece, you know, but mm -hmm. kind of broad spectrum things that people should look for so that they don't just get their testosterone level because that is not near enough. Right. So in our panel, I basically describe it as we've got sort of two, I guess you could say pillars, but our labs have consist of two things. One is a panel of kind of screening tests to give me an idea of whether there's something other than hormones um, that may be going on and causing these symptoms. The symptoms that we're discussing are very sort of nonspecific. They could be related to a lot of things, which is why we go into the background and the medical history. It's really important to do that and not just be like, oh, I'm tired. It must be low T. Yeah, everybody um, gets a testosterone yeah, shot. <laughs> that would, I'm sure that happens, but we like to make sure this person, um, you know, their white blood cell count is normal and there's not some kind of brewing infection going on and that they're um, not iron deficient and anemic and that's why they're tired and they just needed to take some iron and they're good to go. Um, so you can see sort of suggestion of potential nutrient deficiencies and things in a, in a blood count, make sure their liver and their kidneys are generally functioning well. So kind of like screening tests. And then, um, so just, if you bring me a t total testosterone level, I'm still going to look at those other things. So that's just not adequate. Um, we want to check the prostate marker in a male, just to make sure that, um, nothing's going on there that may be potentially related to the urinary genital urinary tract and that's why there's sexual dysfunction going on so we don't just want to like zero in on hormones um and then the, on the hormonal side so reference ranges are very broad every lab is a little bit different um and there's not controversy but there's just different approaches some people are all about the labs some people are all like they don't think labs are useful at all they don't even barely do any we um i think we emphasize labs probably a little more than just middle of the road um, i think they help us especially over the past few years we've become very precise with dosing and getting people dialed in using lab tests and so making sure you're getting the active hormone levels not just a total testosterone but the free level how much of the total that you have is actually usable to you yeah you know i want to stop right there because that's so important it's it's people so if people have never heard this concept before Think about this, think about it this way. You have a bunch of testosterone floating around in your system, right? That's your testosterone level. And when, when, uh, just when you explained this to me, it made so much sense, but not all of it's usable. So it's all floating around and, and there's this, this protein that's out there that can bind up your testosterone. And if that thing is, there's a bunch of that in there and it binds up a bunch of testosterone, it leaves less what's called 
free testosterone to do the job of testosterone, right? Mm -hmm. And so then what we need to know is what those numbers are. So if all you're looking at is total, you could have a bunch of overall testosterone and hardly any usable and then you still feel like crap, even though you have a lot of, of testosterone in there, which was, which was my deal. I needed to make sure that while my number, my overall number was good, my available number was not good. And so we had to, to do a very specific program with me to make sure that I had usable testosterone. That's what made all the difference in the world combined then with the other things that we did in my case. So I just wanted people to, to know that that's a really big deal, not just their total number, but how that kind of breaks out, if you will. Mm -hmm. it, it just allows you to be a lot more specific and target um, how a person actually feels and functions a lot better. Like it just, it just makes more sense. Sometimes, and I think that's why previously just a total level was fine. Sometimes the binding globulin is pretty middle of the road. And so the total is going to look pretty much like the free. That's just not always the case. It's just not. So um, yeah, definitely want a free testosterone level. Um, and the sex hormone binding globulin, that's the protein that you're referring to. Everybody makes a different amount of that. It's not really something you have control over aside from, you know, if you're malnourished and, and don't have the building blocks, you need to make proteins in your body. But other than that, it's just an individual kind of variation that we know about and we try to account for that. So that's so good. And again, being able to, to know that not all doses are created equal because not all people are created equal that's where you get into the specificity of the medicine and the individual patient by patient kind of case diagnosing and treatment plans, right? It's so important. But I know that from our perspective, we don't just want exogenous or outside testosterone coming in, even though it's bioidentical, we also want the body to create its own testosterone best it can. So that's why in my program, I, I do another medicine in between my testosterone days. And so then I do... Um, either gonadarellin or HCG, and that helps my body create its own testosterone, right? So that I don't become dependent or something. Would you, is that an accurate way to describe it? Yeah. So again, with a thermostat reference, um, the, when the brain sees, this is a, something I explain every day. So I love putting it on here because it's, I just explain it all the time. The brain sees hormone levels. It doesn't really care where they came from. It's just assessing what is, what's the level. So when your testosterone levels are awesome, it doesn't need to signal the tissues that normally make testosterone for you, which in males is your testes. So it's not sending out FSH and LH like it was because it's like, we're doing awesome. We're good. We're producing, we're good. So we, we want to keep those cells, your testicular cells awake and functioning. We don't want them to sort of go dormant or go to sleep. Um, you know, you can use those medications to sort of bring levels up, but we, can't, we don't really want to stimulate so much that we're getting optimal levels. In fact, I don't really believe that you could. Um, it's, a, it's a nice idea, but it doesn't seem to work as well. Um, but really the idea is we're going to put level put these great levels in. We want to keep them there, but we also want to keep you doing what you were doing before. Maybe you're only producing two, 400. That probably means nothing to everyone, but lower end of normal testosterone. Well, let's at least keep that going for you. You're not going to see the two different sources on, like on your blood work that's another question like well how much am i making can't see that but um you know ways you, there are ways to to know that we're doing a good job of supporting your natural production i love that and women don't need as much of that because obviously they don't have as much testosterone need or levels in the first place right so we're predominantly talking about men with the self-support stuff i'm interested on that on that 
universal hormone that is so important to all of us, thyroid. I know that that's been something that you've put a bunch of time in and we have a lot of patients that are, are doing thyroid. Tell, tell us about a little bit about how the thyroid works, kind of the overall things that it does and then why people might need thyroid hormone. So the thyroid gland, um, super, super important. I'm glad you brought it up because this is another one that I think people are, are learning more about and they're advocating for themselves and sort of changing the way we operate. But thyroid gland sits in the front of the neck and it runs essentially the hormones it produces run our metabolism. Again, almost like that manager sort of analogy going around to the tissues of our body and telling them to do their jobs, wake up, do your work. Kind of like when, when bosses in town, people function kind of at a higher level usually when they're being monitored. So that's sort of how I describe thyroid hormone. Um, it's not going and sort of doing its job. It's, it's keeping everyone else high functioning. As you get those cells awake and alert and functioning, they are using energy. And so we sort of think of thyroid as your metabolism. The more thyroid hormone you have, the more things are, the more energy you're utilizing. So thyroid um, has far reaching effects because of that. We need it, you know, from when we're in our mother's womb, you need thyroid hormone to, to develop normally and then ongoing to, to function at a normal level. So conventionally we would check this test called a TSH and that's actually not even a thyroid hormone. That's the test that tells us what sort of tells us what the brain thinks of our thyroid hormone levels. Thyroid stimulating hormone is what it stands for. Um, and so the brain sampling our, our hormone levels, which are T3 and T4, and it sends out TSH to the actual gland if it's like, hey, there's not enough, wake up, I need some more of that good stuff. So that's the conventional test that most people get. Again, with the lab testing, if you go get blood work in regular medicine, quote unquote, kind of conventional, we're gonna check a TSH usually, that's about it. Um, and if it's normal, then it's assumed that your thyroid hormone levels are normal. But we find that a lot of times that's normal and people are sitting way on the low end and they feel that too. They're symptomatic of it. It's not just someone who feels great and they're just kicking butt in their life and they happen to have low hormone. They're usually tired, um, cold when they shouldn't be, constipated. Um, their moods might be low again with the, tr the training or the dieting and exercising and they're just not getting the results they should be, kind of brain foggy, um, and, and just not clear and sharp and on point. So that, that person probably, they're technically normal, but they'd feel a lot better if we just brought them up to the top end of normal. We don't, you know, take people outside of the range like, oh, let's try to get like a bunch of weight loss. Let's Thyroid's double it up. Weight loss. <laughs> no, <laughs> not like that. You will get some um, effects because of the processes I just mentioned, as you're telling your body to utilize energy, that's kind of calorie burning in a way, but it's not a weight loss medication. Um, it's just another piece. You, it's an important hormone signaler that you need in there and you need it optimal. And all of these hormones talk to each other. So again, you know, optimizing just one, I guess that's good, but really you want to get the whole team on the same page. Yeah, the symphony, so. you want all the instruments yes. working so the music plays right. Right. Well, what about this, Jess? Um, is there a time where, because from the anabolic side, you mentioned athletes and how they're using anabolic steroids in a, in a performance enhancing way. In that world, um, you know, I used to be pretty up on that information when I was practicing and treating a lot of athletes. So I don't think this has changed a lot, but at that time you wanted to cycle your steroids on and off so that you gave your body a chance to rest. 
as far as what we do, it's definitely, it's a long-term approach because you're, like you said, the, the brain's just paying attention. Do I have the needs met that, that I have? It, if someone were to ask, okay, I get it. I need to get my hormones checked, whether it's testosterone, progesterone, estrogen, thyroid, whatever it is, but can I be on these forever? And how do I know if that level's the right amount for me for, for one or two or five years from now? First of all, is it safe to do that? And second, how do you monitor where you should be? So great question. <laughs> it's one of the um, most common ones I get, I would say. Just, I think it's natural for people to wonder, like, is this some, do I have to do this every day? Um, most providers like myself in this realm liken it to like showering, taking your vitamins. So like if you want the optimal levels, you have to continue supplementing them and doing your foundational stuff, of course. And it's safe to do that. It's you're saying, you know, because some people, like you mentioned, there's some controversy about can this stuff cause heart disease or cancer and all that kind of stuff and anything done incorrectly, whether that's eating cheeseburgers or taking vitamin D or doing hormones, anything done incorrectly can cause a problem. But right. are you saying that you can do this when you say supplement it like showering and all the rest, you can do it long-term as long as you do it smartly. Is that fair assessment? I think that's fair. Um, you might find that people say technically there's no, they, they'll say there's no long-term studies um, on this. And I'm, you know, we've been doing this probably, I think at least 50 years now. Um, but in terms of like scientific studies, um, some people feel like there's not enough evidence in terms of like long-term use. Um, most of us sort of disagree with that, especially in terms of doing it appropriately. So that means you're, you're not supplementing outside of an acceptable range. So you're staying physiologic. Like if you didn't know someone was on that testosterone supplement and you check their labs, you still wouldn't know because they're, they're sort of in range. Um, and you're monitoring other things. So you're not seeing any effects on like their blood counts and things like that. So when done appropriately, it's safe to do that way. Um, the cycling thing. So that was, that comes from, you know, people, they're using a lot more than just testosterone, first of all, but they'll use that because like we're all saying, it does these really great things for the body. Um, but they'll also use other substances and they'll use much higher dosing typically. So they're, they're kind of in their own um, league there, but that, and that is dangerous by the way, that yes. causes major problems. Yes. Um, and so when you're doing something like that, you would want to take a break. Like if you're doing, if you're binging on spring break or whatever, you kind of want to take a break from that and let your body heal and recover. The difference is what we're doing is, is optimizing. I mean, that's just the best word for it. So we're staying in these acceptable ranges. We're monitoring you as a whole, not just this one thing and and we have this sort of ongoing monitoring so it's it's safe to do um you're being monitored and th that's just a big thing to me because recently we get a lot of people f with these programs there are a lot of programs out there now that are like oh hey and they'll throw many many people on testosterone i think it's great i think most people need or many people need testosterone supplementation but i think that ongoing monitoring is really the key and we get a lot of people coming back to us from those um and they just are like, I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't feel like they knew who I was and they were monitoring all these different aspects. It was really just very cookie cutter. Everybody's on like one CC of testosterone. You never talk or see anyone. So mm. that's the other piece to doing it long-term is having people invested in you and monitoring and adjusting it as you go through time. 
That's really great. And, and I want to touch on one more topic because you've gotten, you, you, you did a great job of not going too deep, but still showing, <laughs> hey man, there's science Good. behind this. There's all this like incredible job. We could talk forever. We could talk forever, <laughs> forever. And so the one thing that I want to kind of finish with is what we've talked about, these hormones, they're kind of the baseline profiles because they are generals of so many other things, right? And so many body, body functions. There's also things that change the body structurally or help it that we do specifically that I want you to talk about that would be more advanced stuff that we wouldn't even look at until we got the hormones balanced. So when we're looking at things like peptides, those kinds of deals, would you just explain what, let's call it second level performance stuff is. And again, this is all still within range and normal ranges, but once the hormones get balanced, sometimes there's there's still room on our potential ceiling that we talked about earlier, or there's a special need for these, these peptides. And we do IVs as well, but you know, those are more general wellness and that kind of thing. So these specific performance enhancers, peptides, stuff like that. Can you just speak to that for a few moments? Yeah. So peptides are, um, it's, it's very general term, like a medication. Many people are familiar with insulin. Um, those are peptides technically in terms of their chemical makeup, but peptides the way we're referring to it is a basically a treatment to sort of boost your body's natural growth hormone production it's just another hormone that we found um, associated with aging and all of the signs and symptoms that occur with that and um, you know one again without going too deep one thing I explain is most people know that like HGH or human growth hormone is performance enhancer it's banned and if you think about it, it's because it can enhance your performance. It can do things that give you a competitive advantage over other people. Um, and so those good things are helpful um, for people who are dealing with, again, aging and, and their bodies um, being exposed to everything that we're exposed to now. So like building up lean muscle mass, um, helping shift that fat deposition that changes with time, again, with the midline and, and the fat that we store inside of our abdominal cavities, um, which by the way, we call that visceral fat. There's a rating for it on our in body. So it kind of distinguishes fat in the subcutaneous tissue, just arms, legs, stuff that we don't like the way it looks. And then the stuff that's in our abdominal cavities causing inflammation and, and organ dysfunction, um, kind of two different things, but it helps with that. Yeah. So to be able um, to measure, that's a really cool thing to yeah, see that. I love having that rating on there. Um, but then, so yeah, peptide is basically just a way to kind of ask, wake our bodies up and say, hey, we, we would still like you to make and release growth hormone, please, while we sleep. So um, it's so cool that there's such a vast array of peptides that are being developed. Um, and, and we like to use this. We use a select few and um, we've been using them for a while. We don't jump into all of like the newest, brand new, you know, we don't want to be first in always yeah. to those we like to say with the tried and true options that are giving our patients really great results and they come back loving them and um, again they don't have that whole thermostat effect um, and kind of negative feedback thing going on and so um, sometimes people are looking for if they're hesitant about doing, doing a hormone long term peptides might be a great option because you're really not impacting at all any kind of your production in any negative way you're I just boosting that. it. So. Yeah. So, so lastly, I mentioned IVs a moment ago, but some people might be like, wait, 
why would you get an IV unless you were in the hospital? I've seen it on TV, right? On the, the emergency room shows where there's an IV bag dripping in. We don't look at it that way. You, we use IVs as a form of, as a health tool or health aid. Can you just uh, describe IVs and how they work and what they do? Oh yeah. So we're going to talk about the whole ideal world thing again. So okay. it's like, if you can, if, if you can drink water, you should be hydrating that way. Just drinking your fluids. Totally. We're so on board with that. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, number one, people aren't great at that. So occasionally a little hydration boost is, is really great, um, for health and also, you know, how you look, your, your skin and, and your, if you're looking for weight loss, you've got to be hydrated. So lots of reasons to, to be sure of that. Um, and then on top of that, in an ideal world, our diet is perfect and the nutrients in our food are optimal and we absorb every little bit of that, but that's just, again, not the case. So yes, we would, um, advise a, a great balanced whole food, lots of plants eating pattern, but most of us have some sort of chink in our armor in one of those places where we're either not great at doing that or the food source is not optimal or we're not absorbing at all. We have some sort of gut issue. Um, so then IV supplementation is awesome. You're really driving in the nutrients um, at high doses straight into the bloodstream, drive them into the cells, get a nice boost of vitamins and minerals that you need. How often? How often should people do that if they wanted to do IVs to make sure they were running their vitamin levels at optimum range? Is that something that you do every month, every week? It just depends. I would say like in general, maintenance is, is a once a month thing, but that's super, that's a super individualized question. Um, there's, you know, IV protocols for people where they're doing an IV like every day for more specific things like functional medicine real specific things that they're attempting to achieve. I would say for us, every two to four weeks is, is great um, at keeping those levels up, boosting them in between your multivitamin and your, your regular daily routine. So That's wonderful. Jess, you have been such a wisdom giver in this, in this show. I hope people that are listening, if they've been doing HRT, which is hormone replacement therapy or IVs, that this gave them a little bit more fundamental knowledge for their game so that they understand what they're doing. And keep telling your friends because that's where they come from. Is yes. People like you who have who are doing it or on it and they're like, oh, thank goodness my friend told me. They were like, I felt like you. Go check that out. Yes, absolutely. So those people are gained. But if no one, if someone had never heard the topic, you did a really nice job of explaining what it's all about. So if people have further questions, they want to get a hold of you, um, they want to check it out or look at blood work or say, Hey, is where am I at in this process? How would they get a hold of you to, to learn more? We have several ways, um, now very connected. Um, our main phone number is 720-295-1229 and all the staff is amazing. Excellent. They are highly educated and can connect you. They can either answer your questions or connect you with me or someone who can. So the phone number is great. Um, you can also email me. So Jessica, J-E-S-S-I-C-A at fitmdusa.com. That comes straight to me. Happy to answer any questions. Um, and we can even set up just a, a consultation. We do phone consultations. We can do video calls if you prefer that. You can email me initially and we'll kind of set you up with what you need. So that sounds great. Well, Jess, thank you for taking time away from your schedule. I know you're packed today and, and you just uh, 
we're a rock star to, to break it away and, and come in. So thank you. Uh, appreciate what you do for our patients. Appreciate what you do for me to help me feel optimized and live optimized. And uh, can't wait to see you again. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you.